Would you give Pete Gregg a round of applause because he comes, please? <laughs> Stretch out your hand, will you, to Pete, and let's um, pray. Lord, um, we love you, Jesus. We love what you're doing. We love your church. And love, look, we love those who lead in it. And we thank you for Pete, God. We thank you for his friendship. Um, Lord, we love how it can feel like home when he comes here. And Lord, we pray that you would, by the power of your spirit, Lord, come afresh upon him today. We pray that he would know the inspiration and the love and the closeness of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, as he gives, you would pour in right now. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Al. It is great to be with you, Tubber. <laughs> Doesn't sound as good with an English accent, does it? Uh, it really is a joy uh, to be here. It does feel like being at home. Amazing to see an absolutely ram-packed venue. We've had a fantastic day yesterday. Uh, with senior leaders from, I think it's 14 uh, Taba churches. And um, then last night, the most wonderful time with uh, 24-7 um, across Ireland, north and south, university campuses, schools, uh, stories of God on the move. And it's just been such an inspiring uh, time. And it just... Uh, being at Emmanuel, I just feel I'm, I'm, I'm with friends, and uh, so thank you so much, Al uh, and Rachel, for having me. Thank you uh, for uh, the warm welcome to this uh, house. And I'm traveling with Adam Heather, as you've heard. Adam um, really runs our church in Mayus Road. I, I just kind of choose the biscuits these days. <laughs> and... Um, Adam's married to Hannah from uh, a little place called Bangor. And uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, and, and she, many of you will, will have come across Hannah because she and I do Night Lectio uh, 365. Anyone, use, anyone here use Lectio 365? Okay, oh wow, it's like revival. Um, the, the number of people who, who've said to me, um, you know, I, I love night lectio but I've never made it to the end it's just <laughs> I sometimes think that in the closing prayer I could announce I was the Dalai Lama and no one would notice you know. Adam once said to me he said Pete I'm really sorry I just I can't use lectio 365 at night he said having my wife whispering in one ear and and my boss in the other is <laughs> it's too weird <laughs> um but Ad, actually, during the worship, sensed a little word from the Lord. So, Ad, come and, come and, come and share what you got. Round of applause for Adam Heatherton. Thank you. Yeah, um, just all the way through worship, which was stunning, by the way. Thank you, team. Um, just got the picture of, you know, when Isaiah, the prophet, has this, this vision of the highway of holiness. And at the beginning of that, he talks about this wilderness that he sees just blossoming and these springs coming up. And it says, the burning sand will turn into a spring. And I know that's so close to the vision you've got here. But there's a bit in that passage in Isaiah 35, and it says this. And where normally we go into ministry after the talk, so we're breaking the rules a little bit here. But um, it says this. It says, strengthen the feeble hands, 
steady the knees that give way and say to those fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come and he will save you. And whenever the Bible repeats something, he will come three times. It means take notice. And so I believe there's people here maybe. To me, hands speak of something that the Lord has called you to do. Knees speak of somewhere that God's called you to stand. And hearts speak of the confidence that he's given you. And so maybe you've come here now and you feel like you've got feeble hands. You've got weak knees or you've got fearful hearts. And I think to you, the Lord is saying, he will come. And he will come. And your God will come. He will come, and he will come, and your God will come. Amen. Beautiful. Just raise your hand if that was the words you needed to hear. Great. You're dismissed. (laughs) Well, um, I believe the hope for the island of Ireland is that the church of Jesus Christ would return to Jesus Christ, united and empowered. And the only way that that happens is by returning to his face, his presence, uh, by coming back to the place of prayer. It's not where it ends, by the way, but it's where it begins. And so that is not just the mandate on us in 24-7 prayer to try and call the church of Jesus around the world back to Jesus but it is right at the heart of uh, I can't keep saying Tubbo Al Al likes Tabar because he says it sounds more poetic so he's drummed that into me but it's right at the heart of this family of churches to be centered on the presence of God on the reality of the power of God unleashed through prayer and, uh, you know, I, last weekend, my, my wife, Sammy, and I, we, for reasons I won't bore you with, had to hire a car. And I, I just got the cheapest car I could get. But amazingly, from Hertz, uh, car hire at Heathrow Airport, they supplied me uh, with a very nice electric car, a Polestar 2. It's terrific. I don't know why it was the cheapest car, but it was. Uh, but I've never driven an electric car before. And I sat there in the parking lot at Heathrow like, saying to Sammy, I, I, I don't know how to turn it on. Like, it's embarrassing. <laughs> and we had long discussions. We prayed, we discerned, we <laughs> phoned the prophets. And eventually she said, maybe you just press the accelerator. And sure enough, completely silently, it was like ghostly, it just began to move forward. And then as we cruised off, I realized, I, I, I don't know how to fill this up with petrol. <laughs> Or whatever. Anyway, uh, that was the Saturday. Sunday, we, we, we were at church, uh, so six days ago, and, and we, we, the battery was down to 18%. I thought, this isn't a good sign. And so we found a car park in our hometown in Guildford, which had four of those charging meters things. And I'd seen them. I'd never used one. And uh, so we carefully reversed our electric car up to one of these things. And you have to download an app uh, called Mer, M-E-R, and my wife was trying to make it work, and she's getting more and more frustrated, and we're getting later and later for church. And eventually she said, I've entered uh, bank details three times, and I cannot make this stupid thing work. And I end up saying, we're going to have to just leave the battery on 18%. We were hoping to charge it during church. 
and there's like posh electric cars, there's Teslas, you know. And, and um, so we came back afterwards and I said, darling, just come on, give me the app, let me see if I can make it work. What I realized was each of those four charging units has a, a, a pin number. And so you can't just put in the name of the car park on the app. You have to choose the specific charging meter. And we realized with a horror, my wife had been generously paying for the electricity for three Teslas. I'm just going to go out there and say, I don't think these people needed us to pay it forward. Our car was completely uncharged. And the other three, we'd paid for. So... Um, I'm not sharing this uh, with you to expose my wife in any way, but I, th th I did reflect that this issue of plugging into the right power source is important. Right at the heart of this network is this conviction that without plugging in to the power of God, it's all just dead religion. It's all just programs and techniques and marketing and hype. But if there is a God, the heart and soul of discipleship and of fruitfulness and of being church is to return again and again to his presence and plug in correctly. And I want to teach a little bit into that today. I want to speak about the urgency and the preeminence of prayer. My aim is to inspire and encourage you and this network of churches to keep going and to indeed go deeper because the times in which we live are very serious. And I particularly want to uh, encourage you to rediscover the extraordinary authority you have in prayer. Not just to sit in silence before the Lord, powerful as that is, but to be those who know how to rise up, take hold of your authority, and change reality by praying in the words of our Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in this situation. John Wesley said, beware that you do not get stuck in the work itself. If you do, it is all lost labor. Nothing short of God can satisfy your soul. Therefore, fix on him in all, through all, and above all. And so we're going to look at that famous, uh, fascinating story of Abraham interceding with God for the depraved cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and you may uh, recall and this is the backstory to what we're about to read three mysterious visitors have shown up and uh, people speculate are they angels are they prophets could it even be a manifestation of the trinity uh, the famous 15th century icon by Rublev I don't know if we've got the picture here but uh, this is uh, from, uh, from the 15th century, exploring in, in, in this beautiful icon the visitation of these three uh, strange figures to Abraham and his wife Sarah. And they prophesy over Sarah that she will have a baby within a year. And at this point, she is a very old lady. 
It is not something that is biologically possible. And so we are told that she laughs. You know, Isaac's name means he laughs. And it's, it's going back to this moment of cynical laughter that becomes a moment of great hope. Sometimes God shows up unexpectedly and in disguise in your life. And he speaks into your very area of deepest desire that has become your place of deepest disappointment. And he begins with his presence saying maybe through Adam there, you know, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come to you. And it's the very deepest desire but also the greatest disappointment of your life. He begins to rekindle life and hope. Prayers that you have prayed so many times that you dare bear to believe for them anymore. Perhaps they're for healing. Perhaps breakthrough in some area. Maybe it's for a loved one who's far from the Lord. Maybe it's to be free from a particular addiction. And so you have this desire blended with disappointment. And when he turns up and speaks into it, Something within us laughs half in hope and half in cynicism. Maybe when we talk about the church of Jesus Christ returning to Jesus Christ in the island of Ireland, something within us laughs with a mixture of desire and disappointment. Something cynical yet hopeful. And so here we are with God in our midst laughing with Sarah. And this is Genesis 18, 20 to 33 that we're going to read together now. So the Lord said, because of the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, because the outcry is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it, Uh, that has come to me and if not I will know and then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom but Abraham listen to this still stood before the Lord verse 22 and Abraham came near and said would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked suppose there were 50 righteous within the city would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it Far be it from you to do such a thing as this. Do you you hear the defiance in that? He's standing before the living God. He says, far be it from you to do such as this, such a thing. To slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? I mean, he's almost accusing God of unrighteousness. This is a a fiery exchange. So the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And then Abraham answered and said, indeed now, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than the 50 righteous. Would you destroy all of the city for lack of five? So he said, if I find there 45, God's doing good subtraction here, I will not destroy it. 
And he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there should be 40 found there. And God said, I will not do it for the sake of 40. And then he said, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, indeed, now I have taken upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. So he said, I won't destroy it for the sake of 20. And then he said, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. But once more, suppose 10 should be found there. And God said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham. And Abraham returned to his place. I want you to notice two key aspects of this extraordinary conversation with God. First we have the invoking of God. And then we have the provoking of God, the invoking of God. Abraham stood before the Lord, verse 22. Abraham approached the Lord, verse 23. Abraham spoke with the Lord, verse 24. But he doesn't just passively stand before the Lord and sort of chat with the Lord. There is something provocative here. He is provoking God. It's almost more like haggling in the street than praying. It's interesting to me, these words invoke and provoke, of course they come from the Latin vocare, which means calling. To invoke is to call in, to provoke is to call forth. In prayer, I believe we are called to invoke, to call in God's presence and to Provoke to call forth God's purposes. Both are vital. A healthy prayer life will invoke and provoke. It will call in God's presence and it will call forth God's purposes. Interceding on behalf of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah uh, here, Abraham is provoking God he is negotiating God down from 50 righteous just 10 there is something not passive here but deeply proactive militant audacious often those around us who have been strong on invoking God in prayer calling in his presence come Holy Spirit have been very bad at calling forth, provoking God's purposes in prayer, faith, militancy, intercession. And I believe we are called to both intercessory prayer, spiritual warfare, authority in prayer, but also contemplative prayer, charismatic prayer, come Holy Spirit. Some people are almost trying to adopt a swim line, you know, and they're just saying, well, I, I do contemplative prayer, I'm way past intercession. Listen, I said this yesterday, I, you know, I, I, if, if, if I get a terminal diagnosis, I don't want someone who knows how to stare at a candle. Send me someone who knows to stand on the authority of God, the promises of God, and will the power of God through prayer. Amen? 
I don't want someone who just, like Abraham here just stands before the Lord. I want someone who knows how to haggle with God, negotiate with God. When it looked like my wife was going to die, I prayed some of the most irreverent prayers of my life. And at one point I said to God, I don't even care what your will is. I don't want my wife to die. I don't want my kids to grow up without a mother. And I didn't know if that was even okay to pray, but I was praying from a deep place in my heart that was prepared to wrestle with God. Have you noticed the two great moments of blessing in Jacob's life? The first comes when he is resting, and the second comes when he is wrestling. The first comes, as it were, as an invocation, the second as a provocation. There is a time in our lives, and I want to suggest that when things are as serious as they are now in our communities and our families and our nations, it is a time for the people of God not just to know how to invoke the presence of God, we've done 50 years of come Holy Spirit, but to provoke the purposes of God and take a stand for His kingdom to come in our nation and dare to believe that things can change, that we don't just have to ride it out and kind of get pumped up with more and more blessing and until eventually we just kind of fart our way into heaven. But we can actually be sons and daughters of God with fire in our eyes who know how to fight in the name of Jesus for the glory of Jesus. Amen? Let's be those who invoke but provoke too. We used to have this great big labradoodle called Noodle. She was the cutest, kindest dog you could ever meet. She never knowingly was unkind to anybody at all. She was so sweet-natured. I couldn't, you couldn't believe it. She was just the loveliest dog. Our, our, our boys grew up, you know, used to ride on her back, hold on to her tail, and she would pull them through the hedge, you know. She just put up with everything. And we also, you know, had a hamster, <laughs> which was like the... It was called Snuffles. It was like the Houdini of hamsters. I still don't know. It, it just had this knack of escaping from its cage. Uh, I just honestly don't know. But we were continually, um, you know, looking for Snuffles. And on one occasion, uh, Snuffles had managed to escape from her cage in the boys' bedroom. Had somehow, I mean, it was, it was like tiny, a little ball of fluff, had managed to come all the way down the stairs and was... I, I, we saw it was walking up the, um, the, the hallway towards Noodle. Now, Noodle may have been sweet, but she was enormous. She was this big, hairy, black dog. And, and I caught sight of this moment, the tiny little ball of fluff, like going towards this vast mountain of dog, a canine, you know, a wolf. <laughs> and and I, I'm like, Snuffles... You're so stupid. I can tell your brain is smaller than a grape, you know. <laughs> and Snuffles goes up to Noodle, and I watched the most humiliating thing you ever saw. <laughs> Noodle looks at the hamster and rolls over on her back and submits <laughs> to the hamster. <gasps> ridiculous she could have one mouthful she could have dealt with the whole thing can I suggest that often as the people of God we are equally so sweet and nice all the time that we fail to take authority and understand who we are in Christ and sometimes instead of rolling over and submitting we need to take a stand and say you need to know who I am amen 
You know the story of uh, Peter and John going up to the temple to pray and there's the man begging and Peter goes, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I to thee in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And the commentators talk about that and they say, mm, shouldn't he have said, not what I have I give to you, but what Jesus has. But see, Peter had been with Jesus and he said, no, I have something. In effect, he said, you just got lucky because an apostle, someone filled with the Spirit of God, someone in Christ Jesus just walked past you. You just got lucky in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And that day, that man got way more than a few coins. We need, here. please hear me. I'm not talking about arrogance. I, I know, you know, in, in England, I'm actually half Scottish in Scotland. I certainly... In, in Northern Ireland, there's that tall poppy syndrome. You know, we've got we to gotta be humble. We hate anyone who seems arrogant. But we do, I believe, as followers of Jesus, need to have a little bit of a sense that, you know, when I walk into the office where I work, you got lucky. Someone filled with the Spirit of God just walked into your life. Someone who knows how to forgive. Someone who knows how to be kind. Someone who will go the extra mile for you. Someone who knows how you can have your sins forgiven and you can get saved and have a relationship with God. Someone who will love you when you're lonely just walked in the room. You just got lucky. Do you understand? We need to walk a little taller and not be those like noodles submitting to the hamster. Amen? Okay. And Abraham clearly had this. I mean, his knees are knocking. He's going, I'm made of dust. Forgive me, Lord. But then he kind of, having said, don't hold it against me. Then he kind of goes in going, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to haggle with you here, God. He is invoking, but also provoking. Karl Barth, the great, arguably the greatest theologian of the 20th century. In fact, one former pope uh, said that uh, Barth was the greatest theologian since uh, Thomas Aquinas, which is a really big deal because he wasn't a Catholic. Uh, the, well, the Pope was, as far as we know, but Bart, <laughs> Bart wasn't. I know here we have to clarify these things. So, Karl <laughs> Bart said this, we participate in the reign of Christ through prayer. Just, just, just stop there a second. We participate in the reign of Christ through prayer. In him we are set at God's side and lifted to him and therefore to the place where decisions are made in the affairs of his government. When you step into the prayer room, when you decide I'm not going to be like Noodle rolling over, when you dare to stand before the Lord not just to invoke his presence but to provoke his purposes, you need to understand that in prayer you are entering the cabinet office you are sitting at the table with the president or the prime minister and you're saying now let us talk let us make decisions together and that is the extraordinary authority we have in prayer Abraham stood before the Lord verse 22 Walter Brueggemann another great theologian says of this verse verse 22 it is one of the most important comments in all of scripture concerning prayer why well 
It's one of 18 scribal corrections. Now, there are these 18 points in the Old Testament where those who were transcribing the text changed it. It wasn't, they weren't mistakes because they were trying to tidy up the theology. <laughs> and um, the copyists here on this verse, verse 22, felt really uncomfortable with the original, so they changed it um, deliberately because the original did not say uh, that... Um, Abraham stood before the Lord. The original said, the Lord stood before Abraham. And they felt uncomfortable with this because that suggested that Abraham had the upper hand, that it was God, as it were, coming before, uh, God coming before Abraham. And they wanted it to sound less, um, you know, uh, uh, sort of assertive. They wanted it to uh, sound as if God was, had the upper hand here. Later, by the way, when Abraham says, far be it from you to do such a thing, the original was this. Abraham said, you would defile yourself if you were to do such a thing. Can you hear how much stronger that was? So the scribes were like, <gasps> uncomfortable. We've got to dial this down a little bit and make Abraham seem a little bit more subservient. Listen, if Abraham could address God like that and yet be called a friend of God, how much more may we in Christ Jesus approach him boldly? We can say, well, he was Abraham. He had the right to do it. Listen, you come before God the Father in Christ Jesus. How much more can we approach him boldly in prayer, speaking with insistence and passion even contending with him in prayer, like Jacob, wrestling. And we see this throughout Scripture. The Apostle Paul, of course, said our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. In Ephesians 2, verse 6, he says, God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. The great church father Tertullian in the second century said, prayer conquers God. Martin Luther in the 16th century said, let us put our fists together and pray. You talk about provocative prayer. John Donne in the 17th century said, prayer hath the nature of violence. C.S. Lewis in the 20th century said, Christianity is a fighting religion. And even the reformed pastor John Piper said, until you know that life is war, you cannot know what prayer is for. Ezekiel famously talks about this kind of provocative, intercessory, authoritative prayer. You'll know the scripture. Uh, Ezekiel 22 verse 30 says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. Could it be that in our communities, in Lurgan and Porter Down, wherever you are, that God is looking for those who will stand uh, in the gap with him and intercede? So um, 
I believe that we are called to do this. I believe that uh, probably our primary ministry is the people of God, even more than evangelism, important as that is, even more than fighting injustice, important than that, as that is, is to exercise our authority as priests, to say yes to the purposes of God, to provoke the purposes of God, to wrestle for our communities. And uh, when we do that, we find that our evangelism and our social justice work and uh, worship, everything else moves to another level. And so I, I, I really sensed at this key moment for this network at this time that my job was to come in and say, you are centered on prayer, and that is the right place to be. And make sure that it is invocational, come Holy Spirit. I can do lots of other teaching on contemplative prayer and becoming the prayer and being lost in wonder, love, and praise. We can do all of that another time. But my sense for you is the times are urgent and the people of God need to rise up at this time and know how to exercise authority to bring the purposes of God into play. And so, um, you know, it's interesting that every single part of the world where they're seeing revival prays in the same way. Everyone lifts their voices all together and cries out to God all at once. And uh, we see that in, in the New Testament. Uh, we, we see that in the church in China. We see it in the church in Indonesia, uh, which is probably the greatest praying nation on earth right now, which is interesting because it's also the largest Muslim nation on earth, the fourth largest nation on earth. Uh, but we see it all around the world, this kind of militancy in prayer. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like I have every excuse in the world, I'm English, to just sort of sit quietly and wear a tweed jacket and drink Earl Grey tea before the Lord. But I just need to get over myself. This is not a cultural preference. This is just a biblical reality. Sometimes Jesus prayed in a loud voice. And so if you don't ever pray in a loud voice, you're missing something Jesus considered essential. If you only ever pray in a loud voice, you're just rude. So, you know, you, you, you need both. Let me give you just some really practical hooks to hang this on. Uh, I hope I, I'm, I'm sort of convincing you about the need to provoke in prayer and not just invoke, uh, about the need for militancy and authority, you know, not to be like Noodle, just rolling over before the, the crisis in our communities, the crisis in our families, but to take authority. Uh, but how do we really do it? The first thing, uh, I believe, is that we need information. We need to get informed. We need uh, to understand what it is we're interceding about in our community, in our uh, family. Well, what are the facts here? The second thing is having got informed, we need to get inspired. We need to allow our hearts to be engaged with, uh, with, with, with what's going on. There is something about passion. There is something different when someone engages their hearts than just sort of says, oh, dear God, if it's your will, you know, please, would you mind awfully, if I quote a Bible verse, doing something or other. You know, there's some, sometimes there's something about engaging our hearts. Get inspired. Get hold of God's promises for the situation and allow the dissonance between what God has said and what's actually happening to stir a certain indignation in your heart, God, this is happening, but you said that should be happening. That's standing in the gap. Some of you will have heard me tell the, the little story about, um, you know, uh, someone challenged me once that my prayers for our two sons when they were uh, smaller had become a little vague 
um, uh, probably more invoke, invoking than provoking, more resting than wrestling. Uh, and, um, and, and he said, Pete, you really need to get specific and take authority as, you, as their father in how you pray for them because it will, it will affect the outcome of their lives. This is a pretty challenging word, isn't it? And I said, well, how do I do that? And, and this guy said to me, what you need to do is you need to spend some time and listen to God and hear why did God make your sons? Why did he knit them together in their mother's womb? What are the good works that he's prepared and advanced them to do? If you as their dad haven't worked that one out yet, how on earth do you think you're praying intelligently for your sons? I was pretty challenged. So I took a day out with, the, with my Bible and I figured I'm just going to go and look at lots of the promises in the Bible and find the ones that just connect with my father's heart for my sons. I thought, yes, I see that in them or I aspire for that for them. Okay? And I got a list of promises out of that day for my sons. And I just want to, I mean, my life's pretty busy. I know many of you will be very busy. But honestly, if we haven't just ever in our lives spent a few hours just doing that basic exercise for you know, our marriages or for our kids or for the, the, the businesses that we run or whatever it is, what, what was it that was more important than actually just saying, God, what is your word? What is your promise? What is your purpose for those that you've given me responsibility for? And so I, I did that. And I, I, in, my, in my journal, I have a, a list of, of those promises. I still pray over my sons. I still intercede. And I, I don't, I choose to share most of them publicly. But one of the promises that I took hold of, you know, it says of Jesus, he grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. And I thought, yeah, that's good. I'm having that for my boys. And so I began to pray every day uh, that, that Hudson and Danny would, would, would grow in wisdom today at school. It wasn't just, oh, God, would you just bless them at school today and help them not to be anti, you know, become the Antichrist when they grow up, you know. <laughs> it, you know, I was like, no, I want them to grow in wisdom today. I want them to learn stuff at school, but I also want them to grow in spiritual wisdom today. And I want them to grow in stature, like physically. Like one of our boys had delayed adolescence, so I was really going for it on that one. I want them to grow in stature, but I also want them to grow in spiritual stature, not just before their teachers and their head teachers and their peers, but before God in heaven. I want I want them to be noticed in heaven. So I'm I you know I started to you know, get some energy on, I wasn't just invoking, oh, come Holy Spirit for my boys. I was provoking. I was going in a battle with the word of God for my sons, okay? And, 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 and you say, well, what difference did it make? And the answer is a lot because within a few days of starting to pray with more authority, with more uh, scriptural, you know, focus, with more militancy for my sons, uh, one of them, we just put him to bed, and he shouted downstairs to Sammy and me. He said, come quickly. We thought he'd puked up on the carpet again, so we ran upstairs. And he's sitting bolt upright in bed, and he just said, um, I need God. And it, I think it was like a Monday night. It's not like he'd been out at youth club or, you know, he, it was just extraordinary. So I need God. And so I had the privilege of kneeling down by his little bed with, with a, like a, a Why Jesus booklet by Nicky Gumbel, trying not to do Nicky Gumbel's accent <laughs> as I read, as I read, hi, no, trying not to do all that. Um, Amen. Oh, uh, and so we went through the, the thing and he, 
gave his life to Jesus Christ that, that, that night. And it might have been fluke, right? I've been praying like this and that happened. Except that the following uh, day, my sister-in-law phoned me. And she, she said, what happened with, and she named this particular son last night. I mean, she, she, doesn't, she normally phones Sammy because it's her sister, not me. That was the first weird thing. But the second thing was she's never asked anything like that. At that time, although she has come to faith, she wasn't even attending a church. And she lives like about 40, 50 miles away, okay? So this is like random. She out of the blue phones me, says, what happened? And I'm thinking, flip. He gave his life to Jesus last night. But it's not my first rodeo, you know. I'm like, I'm not going to tell her. So I said, why do you ask? And she said, I had a dream about him last night. Literally, as far as I know, has never at any other time had a dream about him. She said, I had a dream about him last night. I said, that's interesting. What, what happened? What was the dream? She said, there was a man in your house. I think it might have been an angel. He was standing in your study talking to you and Sammy. And he said, I've been sent by God because, and then the name of this son, has been noticed in heaven. And I've been sent to give you instructions on how to raise him. Remember, a few days earlier, I've got hold of the word of God. Let him grow in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. Within a few days, he gives his life to Christ. My sister-in-law has a dream of an angel coming and saying he's been noticed in heaven. Do you understand? I don't believe that just invoking would have got me there. There's something about provoking, about listening to God and laying hold of the purpose of God and pulling it in in prayer that is powerful for our kids, for our families, for our businesses, for our uh, nation at this time. It's um, interesting that Abraham was desperate in interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't think it was particularly because he cared that much about the cities, but it was because his nephew was in the city. We pray for our communities because we love the people in the communities. It's personal for us. And it's interesting. People often don't notice the juxtaposition of God has turned up and said, Isaac's going to be born. Remember, Abraham has had this vision. You're going to have, you know, it's, it's going to be like sand on the seashore, stars in the sky, and he can't have kids. And so then these angels turn up and say, you're going to have a kid. So this is the beginning. This is God activating the very covenant with Abraham, the blessing to the nations, right? And this is the same moment where we have judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. In other words, your nephew, the rest of the family, is about to get wiped out and a new line is beginning. God is effectively saying, I'm wiping the slate clean. I'm giving up on the rest of the family tree. It's going to be you to Isaac to Jacob and so on. That's God's plan, we must assume. And it is Abraham who says, no deal. I insist on it, not just coming through me, but my crazy compromised nephew and uh, you know, all of his family need to come with me on this journey. Listen, when we're part of exciting new churches and God's favor is with us, and we don't have all the crazy you know, bureaucracy and stuff that other kinds of churches have. And God is speaking to us and people are getting saved. It's very easy to say, well, it's going to be us. And you may even think, well, God's given up on certain other kind of churches. They're just too far gone. 
that they're too lost in dead religion. But I believe that the heart of Abraham, the heart of God actually in us needs to be God, no deal. Don't just bless Tobar. Don't just bless our churches. Don't just do it through us, but bring our crazy compromised uncles and aunts and nephews and nieces with us. They're living in all kinds of compromise. Haven't seen them for years. I don't even know what they're about, but it's blood of my blood. No deal. I am going to intercede, not just for God to bless my church and do something powerful through my church, but through the half-empty church down the road and the compromised one over there. God, this is my family. And so would you bring your whole family with me on this journey. Amen. Toba, please don't just be about building something new and fresh as an alternative to the other, but be a prophetic vanguard people who bring other kinds of churches, Protestant and Catholic, with you. Say, no deal, God. We're going. If we're going, we're going to go together. And whatever miracles you do in our midst, whatever promises you speak over our lives, whatever angelic visitations we experience, no deal, because the crazy compromised people down the road blood of my blood and they're coming with me. Amen. Don't just intercede for yourselves. You've been placed where you are as a priest to pray. And you may know this, but the reason why Abraham haggles God down to 10 is because that was the number of a Jewish minion. Please don't think the cartoon minions. The require, a minion was the required number of men for a legitimate priestly presence and influence in a city. Hello? He's saying, if there's just the minimum number in Sodom and Gomorrah to change it, would you spare it? Ten is all it needs. So get inspired. So get informed, get inspired. And the final one I've talked about a lot, get indignant. And so there's a militancy in prayer. It'd be great to get the band up, shall we? I just want to minister a tiny bit before we have our, our coffee break. So uh, if the band, I don't know if you're having cigarettes out the back, but <laughs> just come on in. I'm aware that for some of us, this session may have been a provocation to us to seek God in a new way. Uh, a moment where God's saying to some of us that we need to reboot our personal prayer lives, recenter our ministries around prayer. And I'm aware that others, we relate to Sarah. We come to things like this, but our desire has become disappointment. And so when he speaks words of hope and fresh faith, something within us laughs. Maybe you're hurting and weary. And it's scary to dare to believe again for something more. But what I'd love to do actually is, um, first of all, is Uncle Phil and Al. Just, can you just, would you mind just coming up here a second? I've just been sensing something for you two men. So, um, a lot of what I'm about to say to you is kind of obvious, but I just believe it's a significant moment and it needs to be said now in this, in this moment. 
Um, I, I, we were driving past the Lurgan Lake earlier, and you were telling me, Al, about that expression about having a spade like a, or was it a face like a, a Lurgan spade, you know? <laughs> and, and who was that? Who was the Lord who didn't pay him properly? What was his name? Brenner. Okay, Bella. So, you know, he, he, he underpaid these men to dig this massive lake with spades. And, but the, the funny thing is, so you're talking about that, but in the worship, I just saw this very clear picture of this, I think it's called a geezer, you know, you just get a jet of water coming out the water. And I saw it just come, like dramatically erupting out by the Lurgan Lake there. And I said to the Lord, what am I seeing? And he, and he said, uh, things that others have aspired to and have worked very, very hard by the sweat of their brow towards and have even created great disappointment and resentment. I am going to do supernaturally in your midst. It's going to be a grace thing and not a works thing. But I believe the Lord is saying that there is going to be just this extraordinary eruption of his favor and his blessing upon you guys at this time. And um, I, I, the Lord said to me to tell you that you have attracted the favor of his presence in extraordinary measure. Um, in heaven, there is, there's this voice that has risen up over you two saying, let it be so. Let it be so. Prayers you've prayed have finally received a let it be so in heaven. And everyone here knows that you have both been through the fire. And the very things sent to shake you and break you have actually made you into extraordinary men of integrity and authority. And you are a prophecy to people whose hearts have been broken, whose prayers didn't get answered, that the favor of God is greater than these things, and he restores hearts and heals and brings fresh hope. Believe that the Lord is particularly pleased with the choices you've made again and again to prefer and love one another and to model something beautiful and different. And we know that that bestows the favor of the Lord. And my sense is um, that this day, uh, with so many people turning up in this place, marks a let it be so and a fresh release of increased authority on you. I believe that... Um, the Lord through this family of churches is going to restore families that have been broken in an unusual measure. I believe that um, there is a calling upon those that you are serving and leading to turn grief to joy because that is what your life prophesies. And um, I kind of resisted this and I sensed the Lord speaking to me because it's kind of the thing that's always said, but I heard it so clearly. He said, prepare for multiplication. I just saw times 10, prepare for multiplication, not 14, but 140 churches, not the tens getting saved, but the thousands getting saved. 
And uh, I believe there are some very practical implications even in terms of how you structure. Some of the structures have been comfortable and have fitted well, but you need to begin to even think about how to maintain what you have got, but to go with the multiplication that is coming, you are able to accommodate what God is going to do. And, and I'm coming in from outside to say, your prayers have been heard. Heaven is saying, let it be so. There is a favor upon the choices you have made. You are a prophecy to many that where your heart has been most broken, the very blessing and favor of God can come. And so we are going to, uh, as a family of churches, under your leadership, we are going to restore families and we're going to bring hope and we're going to prepare for multiplication. And so I, I, I have the sense of this, the, the seriousness of God on this. I'm not just trying to encourage you a bit. I want you to remember this word in this moment because it's really about, in fact, I don't think it's about to happen. I think it's already begun. So I wonder if we could all stand together. We have a, we have a sort of liturgical practice. No, stay on the stage, boys. <laughs> we have a sort of liturgical practice in 24-7. Um, it's an enacted prayer where we uh, occasionally, as a, as a sort of prophetic statement, crowd surf people. <laughs> and we, we do this because sometimes it's important to remember prayers and to live them out. And uh, the Bible is full of enacted prayers and prophecies. And there's something about holding people up before the Lord and saying, we will hold you before the Lord. We will carry you, we'll support you. That is important. The second reason that we do this is that it's fun. <laughs> and if you need a Bible verse for that, you're in deep trouble. So, um, so we, we, we're gonna crowd surf these two. So what, what we're going to need to do, we've got two aisles, it's perfect. But listen, I want to be really clear, it's not a race, okay? But this is going to mess things up. It's all right, we're about to go for coffee. I want you, you're going to have to get out into the aisles, and we're going to need to really particularly... So we'll have uh, Al, you come and stand here in front of this aisle. And Uncle Phil, you come and stand here, kind of in front of that aisle. And I, I'm serious, we're about to do this. And it, the thing is, if you don't do this, they're going to get injured. It's not my fault, it's your fault. Okay, so, so let, let's fill these aisles and uh, let, let, let's, get, let's get this down. What, 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 I'd love, what I'd love, please, is could, could the elders of the two churches just come up on the platform because I just want us to commission these two men into this new season at this time. So if the elders, uh, senior leadership team can just come up, that'd be great. Guys... That's a, that's a big gap. So you literally, you, literally, you've got to fill this. Avi McDonald, get up here quick. You're the insurance man. I've, I've filled out a full health and safety report on this analysis. It's all fine. Now listen, before they go, Senior leaders, I want you to gather around these, these two men. Let's have a, a couple more around Uncle Phil. And we're just going to take a moment. Listen, guys, before we do this, I want you to just pray 
This isn't just about Tabar moving forwards into this new season, but this is saying we're going to bring other churches, other parts of the family with us. It's going to cost us, but we're going to intercede for that as well. So uh, let's just take a moment to pray for them. All of us in this venue, let's stretch out our hands. It's a significant moment. And let's just bless them. So, Lord God, we thank you for both of these men. Thank you that they have attracted your favour. Thank you that heaven is speaking over many of their prayers at this time. Let it be so. Lord, we know that they've been faithful through the fire and that things sent to break them have actually made them into men of resilient faith and integrity. And Lord, we ask that you would raise up a geezer, that you would release by grace, refreshment, that the well that would be opened, not just in this place, but in many places, would be of grace, not, not dug with, uh, with, 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 with spades, but supernaturally we call forth wells in this nation, many wells, a release of fresh water, fresh life. Lord, we don't want to work for it by the sweat of our brow. We want to pray for it. We provoke You, God. You have spoken great words over this nation. You have done great things in the past. You say You will build Your church and the gates of hell will not, cannot, shall not prevail against it. You say that forceful men and women will advance Your kingdom. And we take a stand before You, God of Abraham. And we say to You, let Your will be done. Raise up Your church in this nation. Do something new. Unblock the wells. Refresh and restore and reconcile, we pray, in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so, Lord, we lift these men to You. We commit ourselves to pray for them, to support them, to lift them before You, not just now, but in the days to come. Amen. Okay, boys, if you turn around. Very important. Turn around. And you, senior... You... You senior leaders, no, no, Uncle Phil, you have to be on your back, yeah. Uh, you senior leaders, this is the moment of commissioning them. So in the name of Jesus, we commission you into this new season. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Multiplication, favour, a new day. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you. How lovely on the mountains the feet of him who brings good news. Go forth, reconcile families, restore broken hearts. 
put back together communities, open worlds, release grace in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. column you won but I have to say it was a quiet dignity to the way that Uncle Phil progressed in. I have no idea where Al is so I'm assuming it's just a coffee break now. Thank you so much.